and we'll see you guys next time. All right, that's the end of it. You guys got anything else? No? No, sir. All right, see you guys later. Adios. Um, I'm wondering what the storylines are going to be. Like, is it... John, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Specials. And we are bringing you the first episode of a new segment we are calling TBU Aftercast. Now, what exactly is Aftercast? This is the no-holds-barred, uncensored comments of myself, Joe, and John about current events in the Batman universe. We are going to be discussing things that specifically enrage us since we are probably three of the grumpiest people on the TBU staff. And we're going to bring it to you uncensored. So just a fair warning, if you have small children, they probably should not be around while you're listening to this podcast. But let me welcome my two grumpy co-hosts. This is Joe. This is John. And this first inaugural episode of TVU Aftercast, we are going to be talking about Batgirl. And specifically the events that happened in Batgirl number 19 as you may have heard on the comic cast episode number 114 that released, you may have heard some of my thoughts, but Joe was not present for that one, and John obviously doesn't review comics on a monthly basis anyway. So we're going to talk about not only Batgirl number 19, but the entire history of Batgirl in the New 52, because boy, does it suck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, completely. I, I mean, the thing, is, the thing is, is that they've taken... An interesting character, a character who's had a really dramatic, interesting story arc, taking her from Barbara Gordon, the commissioner's daughter, to Batgirl, you know, through getting paralysed by the Joker and the killing joke, and then to Oracle. And what they've done in the New 52 is they've gone, well, that looks like a very interesting backstory there. You can see all the character progression, and what we have is actually one of the most interesting and unique and different characters in the DCU that's that's brilliant and, and excellent and they've gone well we're going to completely ignore that and we're going to give it to a person who can't make a tv guide listing interesting and and it's, it's she's ruined it basically that's a really harsh opinion but it's true she's absolutely slaughtered this character beyond belief it's bizarre considering how much she claims to have an affinity for the character and how much she loves barbara gordon and yet we continually find her writing her bad. And I mean, you know, like you've mentioned that we seem to be a, a, mo- a minority, unless it's just there's a, another more vocal crowd out there, the people who do like her. I'm not sure. I, I understand that she does a lot for the LGBT community and, and the fact that she's a female writer. You know, people want to support that, which is fair enough. But I, I just, nothing that I've read from her I've, I've enjoyed. Well, According to a website called Amplicate.com, they ran a poll that said, why do you hate Batgirl? And basically, there was some answers. This isn't, 
I have never even heard of this site before this, but according to this poll that they ran, which I guess only 80 people voted in, 14% of people voted said that they hate Batgirl. I doubt that this is actually directly related to the specific comic book, but the thing is, this book sucks, and it's not just for one reason. It's not just for the fact that Gail Swone has been writing this character the way she has been. For the most part, this book sucks for a variety of reasons. The way Gail Simone writes is is one thing that obviously we could most of us could complain about, but the another aspect of it is the fact that they have completely butchered the history of the character and they refuse to tell us what history still stands with this character. That's that's one of the biggest things. We we know that she was shot that she was paralyzed at some point, but we're 19 issues into the book and we have not found out how she can walk again. It was never, never explained how she went from being in a wheelchair one month to not being in a wheelchair the next month. And they kept saying when the series first came out, Oh, we'll talk about it. Oh, we'll mention it. Oh, we'll address it. And here we are almost two years later and we still haven't had it addressed. Well, well, we mentioned, I guess, so like, hasn't there been mention of like a miracle cure? Or is it more that she's saying, "Oh, it's a miracle that I'm healed now." There's no, definitely never been as, some. I've always took it as it's a. It's been. A, it was a miracle that she's that, or it's some kind of cure. But they should have explained it. And if it's supposed to be, that's the explanation. That's the shittiest explanation I've ever heard. Well, they had the perfect opportunity to do it in Batgirl Zero. That that was that was the moment. That was that section when you could have when you could have explained when they could have explained it and gone. Here's how it it was. And I'm going to be honest, if they say that it's a magic cure, I'm going to punch a wall because it's just ridiculous. And in an age where science can basically explain how the world exists, you know, it wouldn't be in a comic book that further stretched to make her walk. And they could have explored that in, in Batgirl Zero and had the character debating whether she wanted to leave being Oracle to come back to being Batgirl. It could have been an interesting, deep psychological analysis. And basically we got nonsense about Batgirl going, well, I'm going to be like Batman because I saw his mannequin when I visited the police station. Really? That's where you're going to take an interesting, strong female character. I want to be like him because I saw his mannequin up in the thing. It's not not just even about that. It's about the fact that she she has no originality. She's basically, she was inspired by Batman, so she became somebody who's a woman in his shadow. That's not inspiring. That I mean, like... In some regards, yes, that holds true to the original origin as far as she idolized Batman and in turn she decided to go out on her own and because she was in Gotham City, she wore the bat. That's what we got from Batgirl Year One. But this this story basically just makes it out to be that she sees this one time, she decides at that point she's going to become Batgirl and it's not like she's going out on her own. Well, I mean, that's never really addressed as far as her history of Batgirl before she got paralyzed because they really haven't discussed that. But that's, again, another another thing. The fact that they're not talking about all these things that... All these things that you would expect them to talk about to explain how things are two years in is bullshit. It depends. I mean, like, you could say that why she's out of the chair doesn't matter. And I can kind of see that angle because she's out of the chair. We have to deal with that. And if it... 
But I think you need, even if it is a throwaway line, as much as it would suck, it would, it would be better just to have that line. Because, and I still don't think we've got that. Because, like, no one's sure, like, you know, if it was a miracle cure, if you did just, if it was science or if it was magic, no one really knows. And if there was just a line saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, I went into surgery and they somehow, I mean, you'd need the explanation because we don't know if she was Oracle, so we don't know if that, if she just got shot, was paralyzed, and then, you know, went into surgery and then came back as Batgirl. We don't know if she actually quit before that she got shot, which is, you know, that's an important thing. This, I mean, at the end of Birth Trade Volume, whatever it was, just before the New Fifty Two, she was she quit being Oracle. So, assuming that was tied into, I mean, that still doesn't really make any sense because that timeline is sort of not related to New Fifty Two. But if that was Girl Simone winding her down as Oracle so that she could become Batgirl, then that needs to be addressed as well. I think to to say that's definitively what it is oh no no i don't think anybody can go uh, if somebody came up to me and goes well it doesn't really matter whether she was in the chair or not i will punch that person in the face and scream it does because uh, this character has spent what killing joke was 2000 no killing joke was even further back than that yeah Yeah, 89 i believe (laughs) 89, sorry. So, uh, yeah, Killing Joe was 89. So from 89 onward, we've had Oracle. She's been there for all the major events. She's she's Batman's eyes, ears, right-hand person as much as, as Dick is. And she, you know, she's talked him through all the major things. She's been there through No Man's Land, through Nightfall, through everything. And it's really important if you're going to go well don't worry old existing batman fans everything else is still in continuity it's all staying the same batman's history hasn't changed all the great stories that you've got that you've you've bought and that you've loved are, are staying the same for them to then turn around and go well it doesn't really matter does it it's just disrespectful to the continuity it's disrespectful to the history of the character frankly and, and it, I- it's, it's Bullshit. I'd say that she's even more than just a uh, accomplice to Batman. She's a pillar of the DC universe, and it's not like all she does with her intel is give it to Batman. She's working across the DC universe, and we see her in things like uh, Final Crisis, helping out the entire DCU. So it's even it's an even larger part of her life than than what you were saying. She's got such an important part throughout the whole universe, and then to kind of not address that. And and another thing is, let's think about the fact that, you know, I want to go back to the the point that was made about, uh, you know, if they didn't really mention, or if, you know, if it's just a one-line mention about, okay, it's a miracle cure, that's the end. Here's here's the problem with that. The problem with that is, by having that throwaway one-line, or even an explanation that it was a miracle cure, the the problem is, they're just not, it would be okay if it was just a one-line throwaway. But they mention it consistently, including in this month's background number 19. They mention, oh, well, I was shot by the Joker and I was paralyzed. And they had an entire story arc based off or uh, when it was dealing with uh, what's his face? The, the, the guy who wore the mask. I don't even care about these Is it films because or grotesque. Grotesque. I think it was, yeah, grotesque. Grotesque where she was dealing with the henchman who also worked with the Joker. Who came in, uh, when the Joker came and shot her. And like, they deal with elements of the killing joke 
multiple occasions. They they talk about it in almost every other issue. She mentions in some way that she was paralyzed, and she's so glad she's able. To, she was able to you know fight through it and blah blah blah. Why do they continually mention it over and over again if they're never going to get to the the actual? Oh, by the way, this is what happened. The problem is that they're building this. It's almost as if they're building this character as if she didn't exist. Where we have to be reminded month in and month out that she was paralyzed. We all know she was paralyzed. We're not new readers, and even the people who start reading books in the New Fifty Two, who somehow have not managed to burn the books yet, are, are at the point where they also know that the character was paralyzed at some point. They know. We don't need to be reminded every single month. All that does is it's reminding me of the fact that it's been another month that's gone by and we have no explanation of this thing that she consistently, constantly keeps mentioning. Yeah, but this is this is this is just the issue with the DC universe of full stop, isn't it? Is that they're just they keep going, oh, everything's in continuity, and then going, mm, well, maybe this stuff isn't in continuity. Again, Batgirl issue zero would have been a perfect place to have sat down and explained what was going on and created an interesting, unique, different story. And you could have told it in those space of pages where she goes, she has a science up that, you know, they come and say, well, we think we can make you walk. Do you want to walk? You can walk. And then she spends the whole issue sort of debating it. And you can flash back and look at her origins and how she came to be and doing all that. And she thinks about all those designs. And then she makes a decision at the end of it. And that would be an absolutely brilliant issue. I would buy that. I would tear up everything that I've said about Gail Simone. But they don't. Oh, it's they just written <laughs> Yeah, but they don't. You know, they don't do it because for some reason they took the issue zero as as an excuse to basically rewrite everybody's origins and throw away the history. I paused there for Stella to go history. <laughs> I will say though that we can't blame Gail Simone for the fact that she's not in a wheelchair anymore because um, that was DC's decision, and it's up to or wheelchair-bound character can't exist anymore in, in this universe. And I think that's that should have been addressed. I think Oracle should still have existed and there'd be another Batgirl. Or, you know, there's not even really a need for a Batgirl, but if the, they the wanted to is, add another The thing Batgirl, is, thought, it goes back to, you know, this isn't just Gil Simone, okay? This is DC Comics also doing this too, because it's not, it's it's the editors who are not telling them hey, maybe we should address this. We've been telling people we're going to talk about this for two years now. You know, if we look back at Batgirl number zero, the solicitation, which is written by the editors, not by the writers, specifically says, how did Barbara first become Batgirl? What led to her don the cape and cowl? Witness Barbara Gordon's shocking injury and her inspiring drive to recover and walk again. Where in that book had there was there anything regarding her injury and inspired to walk again? I don't pretend to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and what there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, this is this is the biggest problem. It's like the, everybody wants, and then the thing is, so here you go. You've got people who are, you know, oh, they're going to finally explain how she can walk. Great, I'm going to buy that issue, and then they buy it, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah. Oh, well, this doesn't have anything about how she can walk. It's just talking about how she got inspired to be Batgirl, which doesn't really step on Batgirl Year One at all. It kind of like is almost like a precursor to Batgirl Year One, but like the entire story is just—it was almost completely useless. 
because we didn't need to know how she became inspired to be Batman or to be, to be Batgirl. We didn't need to know that. What? I mean, like, yeah, I guess it's a story you could tell, but why, why have this under the giant event? Why have it this point of her just saying, Oh, well, this is how I came to the realization that I wanted to do something. There was almost a better uh, interpretation and characterization of of Barbara in the, I think it was the backup for, I can't remember if it was Batman or Detective Comics, where everybody who eventually becomes an ally to Batman, Tim Drake, Jason Todd, Dick Grayson, they all see the bat signal in the sky for the first time, including Barbara, who's with her dad, and they all are kind of like mesmerized by it, and it leads you to believe that they're inspired just by that alone. That was a better characterization. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's not just... I, I, I do agree. It's not just Gail Simone's fault. It is the editors of DC, and, and, and frankly, they've misstepped the whole way through, if you ask me. I mean, they've, they've made mistakes like putting Tim Drake on the cover of The Dark Knight, and then the issue had <laughs> oh, nothing God. to do with Tim Oh, Drake. God. Don't even get me started with that. It's like Tim Drake is like... Is, is almost like a Batman where if he's on the cover, it'll sell or something. So they, they just throw Tim Drake on covers for the hell of it. I suppose oh, yeah. just people yeah. desperate to see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get but, sucked uh, into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, but, you know, even Carl Higgins has, has, and uh, he's a writer that I genuinely like. And he struggled to write Batgirl in his comics. I mean, in Nightwing, she's just a cow. You know, she turns up at the funeral of Raya going, oh, do you miss her? Do you miss her? Do you miss her? Oh, is she dead? Is she dead? She's dead, isn't she? But you don't care about that because you're a trusting person, aren't you, Richard? And Richard, a dicky old dicky buddy, dicky old... Oh, just, oh. And, it, you know, and I just think that it's just them not being able to write the character... None of the writers being able to write the character full stop. She's been Oracle for so long... And that's it. And that's exactly it. it. They, they nobody knows what to do with this character because she doesn't get a very good characterization in her own book. Where she's kind of wishy washy when it comes to like certain things. She, you know, she has a problem with uh, pull. You know, not not like figuratively. She has a problem with pulling the trigger when it comes to certain things, and then uh, she gets over it. But then later on, she has the same exact problem. It, it's just the problem is that the character has not been defined. In this new 52, there's, there's certain events that have been stated that have occurred, but besides that, there is not very much characterization f- that, that has been established for this character. So when another writer tries to write her, of course she's going to come off like that. Because I mean, think about it. When was the other time she appeared in Nightwing? When there was that crossover and she chopped off a piece of her hair and handed it to Dick and said, leave me the F alone. So I mean. I'm just trying to work out if that's. Just Batgirl, if that's all of the comics at the moment, because I, I think with the new Fist Two, you know, I think it was quite a sudden thing. So a lot of writers had to just kind of come up with something. But I do think that, well, even in two years, if you haven't got your character down by then, then it's bad. I think initially there there probably was a lot of, you know, struggling to find the voice of the character and is it the same? Is it different? But I, yeah. After two years, if you don't know. Yeah, well, but I, I mean, th- even even so, I mean that that's again that's back to DC Comics then because if they had to you know jettison this whole New Fifty Two idea so quickly to the point where the writers could not figure out the characterizations for the main character of the series they were writing, 
that means it happened too quick. Or they didn't know what to do with certain characters up until the last second where they said, oh, by the way, next month, we don't need you to write an issue of this because we need you to write an issue of this. John, I'd like to know your opinions on a girl, someone getting fired. <sighs> the way that they did it, I will, I will admit, I think was ridiculous. You know, her having to find out was it? She didn't by find email, out. By email, I believe. Yeah, yeah, literally by email of them just going, oh, don't bother turning up on Monday. You're fired. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think was uh, absolutely disrespectful on DC's part. And, you know, if, if that was, I, if an employer of mine treated me like that, you know, there'd be all hell to, to break loose. But at the same time, I can understand why they looked at doing it. Batgirl, for all the fans who rallied around her and kicked up a fuss and basically got her re-employed, and I have a sneaky suspicion that it probably happened more because she threatened to sue, you know, it's not selling that well at all. And, you know, what the... The thing you've got to do is is really look at the... As much as we can say, well, it's it's DC's editorials having causing problems, and it is a big part of it, but if it's not well-written and if the writer's not great, it's not going to sell. And personally, I, I think DC would have made the right decision if they'd stuck by it, but they could have handled it a lot better. Yeah, I think that was our general opinion on the comic cast. Although, it's interesting now knowing what in Batgirl 19, with the reveal of Alicia being transgender, it would have been amazing if that's what DC fired her over. I'm sure that wasn't it. I'm sure... I, I'm I'm more convinced that it was more of a... They wanted the book to go in a specific direction, as they have done with numerous other books, and she did not want to do it, so... She, they basically said, okay, well, then that's it. And you know what the problem is? I think the email thing is as crappy as it is. I almost have this sneaking suspicion that there's a lot more to this story than there really is because obviously you can call somebody on the phone. That's not really the, the, the issue because Gail Simone lives on the West Coast. DC Comics and Brian Cunningham, I believe, are on the East Coast. Well, I know DC Comics is on the East Coast in New York. But I'm pretty sure Brian Cunningham works out of New York at the DC Comics office there. So obviously there, they could, he could have called her. But I am under the impression, just based off of general ideas, that because of every, all of this other stuff that happened at DC Comics with writers complaining that editorial dictates specific things and says, listen, we want you to do this. And everybody gets all super upset about it. Gail Simone told them no. And the response was, okay, you don't have to do that, but we will find somebody else who will. And that was the end of it. And it was probably just through an email. Like, everybody blows this email thing out of proportion. I'm sure it wasn't like, oh, uh, here, Gail, keep writing all these issues. We're not going to talk to you for a while. And then magically one day you're going to wake up, check your inbox, and see an email saying you're fired. I'm sure it wasn't like that, but that's how the way it's portrayed. Because... Because she made that comment about how it was through email. But I'm sure that's how the majority of these people write, or the majority of the writers talk to the editors, is through email. 
They probably rarely actually talk to them on the phone because everybody's in different time zones. Everybody has different schedules. Everybody knows that writers don't have specific hours that they sit there and they write their books and have to report to DC. These are individual contractors who are just contracted by DC to do work. So why wouldn't they be communicating through email? Why would somebody be calling them and saying, hey, uh, I know you're probably doing something besides concentrating on writing this book right now, but I, I need to tell you you're off the book. I mean, so that's the first thing. I just want to say that. The second thing is um, I, I really think that I don't know what they wanted her to do that she said no and disagreed to do, and that's why they got rid of her. The better question is, what in their minds convinced them to say, okay, we're going to put her back on the book. And if it was such a horrible thing for Gail Simone to get fired over email like she made a big deal about, why did she go back to them? That's the better question that nobody wants to ask. Why did she go back to the company that she made a big deal was so horrible and fired her through an email? If that's so disrespectful and it was so horrible, why did she go back to them? I'm sure they didn't give her a raise because her books aren't selling any more issues. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's weird to think about. And I mean, depends. She might, I mean, as much as I don't like Girl Simone's take on Batgirl, she might still just be that, you know, her number one fan and want to write her and she'd take the book back just because it's, it's Batgirl and Barbara Gordon. So, you know, I don't know. Gail Simone, I don't... Yo, I want to know what Batgirl she's actually the biggest fan of, because she's not doing this character, she's not making this character some amazing character that everybody is also going to be a fan of. So I don't understand that. If that, I mean, if that's the case, I, we don't know what the case is. We don't know what the reason, or the reasons of why she's she, she came back. We don't have any idea. Because I all I do know is that after she got fired... All she kept saying over and over again on her either blog or Tumblr or whatever she has, she kept making comments about how many emails she was getting in, how many people. It was so great. Like, she's one of the the creators out there who probably has the largest fan base for herself. Not for the work that she does, but for herself. The fact that she has, she claims that she has thousands of fans who sent emails and, you know, tons of tweets and direct messages and blah, blah, blah about how it was so absolutely horrible that she got fired off the book. And then she made this big deal for a couple of days later that after she got fired, it was possibly the greatest thing that ever happened to her because suddenly all these other projects that she always wanted to work on popped up. So if that was the case, then why did she come back? I would love to know that reason. I mean, we're never going to know the reason. Nobody's going to sit there. No media outlet's going to go up to Gail Simone and say, oh, so what was the reason you came back to DC? Yeah, I mean, she has got her new other book there, hasn't she? I've forgotten what it's called. The Movement? Yeah. About the uh, 99% versus the 1%. Anyway, that sounds great, but I don't, for some odd reason, I really don't think that that is the main reason of why she's coming back. I mean, let's... Let's uh, think about this for a second. She was on uh, other books in the past, and she left those books. So who's to say that's not going to happen again with any of these? I mean, honestly, I, I I truly wholeheartedly believe that she will be off the book before the end of 2013. And it won't be 
it'll either be she go she gets fired and it's kept quiet and it's just oh we're changing creators or something but i don't see her on this book for that much longer and i think the the funny thing is there's so many people who are like oh well sales are so great compared to the last batgirl series the last batgirl series had a character that was probably less than 20% known to mainstream people in Stephanie Brown compared to Barbara Gordon, who has been Batgirl in pretty much every media incarnation there ever has been with Batgirl. So to me, it doesn't make any sense that they would make a comment about how sales are so much better. Of course the sales are better. The character is a more well-known character, number one. Number two, sales slumped just like every other DC book, and, you know, the average after the slump was just about twice as many as pre-New 52. But what a lot of people don't take in consideration when they're reviewing these numbers is the fact that all comics in general jumped in sales after the New 52. Everything is selling more than it was before the New 52. There wasn't 120,000 copies of Batman selling every single month before the New 52. And Detective Comics isn't that far off of Batman. I mean, it's not 120, but I mean, like, there's, there's, there's been times where, there's been times where Detective Comics is still in the top 10 and it's selling all those books. And Detective Comics was, which were, which was where Scott Snyder was, was not selling that many issues either. So. Yeah, so it's not just because of, like, certain writers. I, I mean, Gail Simone does attract a certain audience she's got a core fan base who will follow her through anything and that's i mean that's, that's good i guess you know like if she's got fans who want to support her that's that's fine but i mean it's not the the argument of oh it's selling much better like you were saying is it's partly because of those people the people who are saying that are the ones who are going to buy the book regardless of what it is or how good it is and like you said the the new 52 did boost sales dramatically so even with Scott Snyder, people will say, oh, well, yeah, but Scott Snyder's an amazing writer. That's why his book's selling so well. But you go to before the New 52 and Detective Comics, and it wasn't selling nearly as well. Yeah, and there was... Uh, I'm not going to name the website that I found this specific article on, but there was an article that's talking about DC must hate selling comic books because they fired Gail Simone. And they compare the sales numbers for Batgirl. And realistically, when you look at the sales numbers, they're, I mean, realistically, they're not that great. Yes, Batgirl is, you know, in the top 50 comics. Okay, whoop-de-doo, it's in the top 50 comics. There's a lot of other books that are in the top 50 comics that are, are crap. So that doesn't make a difference. The, the sales numbers is what really makes a difference. I hate when people use sales rankings as their basis for opinion. Well, this is the 38th best-selling book of the month, so this should be, you know, it's 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 there's only 38 other books that are coming out per month that are better than it in sales. Well, that's stupid because who's buying 40 comics a month to make that make sense? So that's a stupid thing to go by. If you go by actual unit sales, it started off with the first issue at 81,000 issues. It progressively dropped and dropped and dropped until about issue 8, where it was at 43,000, which was almost half of the first issue. Then with issue 9, it jumped up to 58, but let's remember issue 9 was Night of Owls. 
Uh, issue 10 dropped back down to 47 and then went 45, 43. So it all went back down to right about 43. Then zero issue comes, jumps back up to 50. Issue number 13 comes. Guess what? That was an issue that had the, uh. Death of the family. Yeah, death of the family tie in because it was the prelude to death of the family. And then sales went up for November and December. And then they can, they went back, they've started to slump back down. So to me, the, the, the justification of, oh, this book ha- is, is selling great because it's selling 40,000. DC's not looking at this and saying, oh, the book's selling great. They're looking at this and saying, why does this book continue to go down in numbers? It's also, uh, you know, admittedly, this might be a small portion, but using the numbers, so much can affect the sale of an issue of a comic. I mean, like, you could put an Alex Ross cover on it and people would buy it because they collect Alex Ross stuff. Like, you could slap a banner on it saying Death of the Family, people will buy it because they want to buy into the tie-in. There's so much that can affect that one issue that it, it's irrelevant. And like you are saying, they go down each month. So you can't take it as, like, each issue, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You, ha- you have to look at it, the scope of it, and it's just diminishing returns with this. So it, they have to say, they're probably trying to nip it in the bud and say, right, before it goes beyond a ridiculous amount, we got to, while we still got the amount of readers we have, you know, try and get a better team on it and maybe that'll get more attention. The, the, the other thing, the other thing that is interesting is if you compare Batgirl to Batwoman, Batwoman, which is critically successful series, which deals with some magical elements. Wonder Woman was playing a part in the, the last chunk of the story arc that was happening batwoman's a female character the the really the only difference between batwoman and batgirl is the age sexuality and the fact that there's a male writer and there's uh, or there's a there's a pair of male writers on batwoman so why is batwoman selling about half as many issues as batgirl well, it's probably because of the name. Because for last month, Batwoman sold 31,000 while Batgirl had 51,000. Well, is it, is that, is someone going to say that Batwoman is, is a worse book than, than Batgirl? And that's why it's not selling as many? Because the arguments of, oh, well, it's selling this many because it's so great is, is stupid. And I don't, I, I know I want to smack the people in the face who are saying that. Because it doesn't make any sense. You're telling me that Batwoman is a bad book because it only sells that many issues? It's, it's fucking stupid. But then that, but then it brings us back full circle, doesn't it? It goes back to, as you were saying, Dustin, no, you know, notoriety. Everybody knows Barbara Gordon and Batgirl, and she's in every single version of the media. And she's the iconic person that they think of when they think of female characters of in the Batman universe. Batwoman is is I, I mean I must admit I didn't know about Batwoman until I was you know into my second third year of reading comics, and, and that's why it's it's not it doesn't sell because there's always going to be a hardcore fan base of people who will pick up Batgirl because it's Batgirl in the same way that. You know, you made the argument a couple of times on the comic podcast that people are picking up detective comic during Tony Daniels' run because it's detective comics. Yep. 
and and that's that you know uh, and uh, you know to be honest you could probably literally write batgirl as as literally the worst possible writing in the entire world and it would still sell really well as evidenced but, in batgirl currently yeah but the uh, but the thing that that makes puzzles me and this again links into into the sales is how it's being so critically acclaimed as well i mean batgirl 19 is getting you know 9 10 or fives, depending on the rating system, on a, on a lot of the other podcasts that I listen to, and and we seem to be the only people who are going. Hold on a minute, this is all. Why this is awful? And it, these aren't people who are new to comics either, who have no idea of continuity. These are established podcasts and established media outlets that that are giving it consistently high ratings. I don't understand why they're they're, they're doing it. And you know what? And I hate to say this, but and, you know, I'm probably going to get called, you know, I'm going to get a foul called on me from somebody for this. But I honestly think that the media outlets that are reporting the news related to these books, Batgirl or whatever, are specifically making sure that their reviews are not harming the book. Because if the reviews harm the book, they could in turn get repercussion from DC saying, well, we're not going to give you this exclusive interview. Oh, we're not going to make time for you to do this with our creator. Oh, uh, you're at Comic-Con. Okay, you're going to the bottom of the list as far as the availability for this person. Like, that's honestly what I think it is. And I, I would really hope to God that there is some journalistic integrity when it comes to, you know, people really giving their their thing. But I think the problem is that the people who report the news – become the exact same people who are critiquing the product and that's where the that's where the problem li- lies is the fact that you know look at people look at some of the best critics of our time Leonard Maltin, Roger Ebert, Gene Siskel did they ever report the news about the movies no all they did was just critique the movies for what they were they said this is good this is bad don't waste your time whatever they got paid because their opinions mattered the websites and podcasts, including ourselves, most of us don't get paid. We work on trying to get as many people as we can to listen to us. So the thing is, if the majority of the people really like something, it's in their best interest to also say they like it too. And it, that's just the way it goes, because then in turn, they can have the majority of listeners or viewers for just websites say, oh, I agree with them. I'm going to go over here and, and look at it. But the thing is, as and I, I brought this up on the comic cast, if you look over the last few months that Gail Simone was on Batgirl before she, before the two, two-month hiatus because she was off the book, the reviews for Batgirl slowly downtread. There was, there was less reviews. And the funny thing that I always find amusing is that if a book is bad, you almost rarely ever see a review for it compared to if a book is good. If a book is good, you see reviews on it all the time. If a book is bad, you almost never see reviews because people don't want to waste their time writing a review for something that's crappy. Now, I can't sit here and, and I'm not calling out any specific sites or podcasts. I know, for example, there are sites like IGN who review a number of books. I don't know if they review every single book that comes out because that would take a long time. But they review a lot of the books. And I've seen them give low ratings to books or average ratings to books. 
But at the same point, there's, there's websites out there who, you know, go on and on about how great it is. And I have to wonder what they, what, like how they can compare what they're reading to something else. Or if it's the fact that they have some kind of like personal interest in giving it a good review. Because, you know, the thing is, and this is going to bring us into the LGBT stuff that happened in 19, which there's not a whole lot to talk about here because quite honestly, it's not something that is really a situation within, with, with Batgirl in the New 52. So it's not something that really needs to be brought up. But let's say, for example, the headline or the reveal that happened in 19 that everyone's going to talk about is that they, that Barbara Gordon's roommate is transgender. So that's what everyone's going to talk about. If you're so, if you go out there and say this book sucks, you're associated with that one reveal slash headline. That's it. You you just basically said this sucks, and the major reveal in the book was that her roommate was a transgender. Well, that doesn't make you look good because you just said that. I mean, and if you put it together, it makes it look like you're upset because there's a transgender roommate in the book. And because that's, because that's what everyone's going to talk about. They're not going to talk about how everything else that happened in the book sucked. They're going to sit, that's what they're going to mention. When the book released, Don read it the day that it came out, texted me the same morning and said, you'll never guess what happened in Batgirl. I, I said, what? And Don responded, Barbara Gordon's roommate's transgender. I was like, huh, okay. It didn't mean anything to me. It doesn't, I mean, it's great that they want, that they want to mention it. That's fine. But the fact that that was the one thing that he pulled out of that entire book to tell me shows that that's what everyone would have been talking about from that issue. So yeah, it's great that they want to, they want to incorporate, uh, some, some elements from the LGBT or DC wants to try to have more minorities have starring roles in, in, in series and stuff. That's great. The reality is, if the book sucks, the book sucks, regardless. Yeah, well, I mean, just before we move on to the to the LBGT stuff, you know, I do agree, and I, I, I actually, I think as well, it's part of the media's problem for the Batman podcasts that review the comics and things like that. Really, you know, I get that they want to suck up to DC, or to, you know, that might be a motive behind it, but. The whole point of us being here is it's we're impartial or we're supposed to be impartial. You know, if an issue is great, people should say it's great. If it sucks, it should we should say it sucks. If a comic consistently sucks, say that the comic consistently sucks because we're the most vocal bit of the, the, the fans. If a comic isn't selling, you know, what are DC going to do? They're not going to go, well, it's not selling. Well, it's everybody else's fault. They're going to go, it's not selling. Why is it not selling? Well, let's take a look at the reviews. You know, they're not going to go all Kevin Smith on people, are they? And go, well, if you don't like what we're doing, well, we're going to ban everybody from ever talking to any of our writers. Because, I mean, we've consistently given issues bad reviews and, um, you know, we're still able to get interviews and things like that. And And that's, you know, I think that needs to be sorted within the community as well. But let's move on to the other stuff how i feel about the reveal of alicia is like dustin i kind of i didn't care but not in a way that it's like <laughs> i can understand why people might like that and this goes back to i mean when i, I wear glasses and when i was younger 
you know, you'd never see anyone like you never see any rock stars or movie stars or superheroes or anything like that wearing glasses. This is like obviously a much smaller sort of interpretation of that. But for me, when I was younger, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I can never be cool because I have to wear glasses. And now that I've grown up, you know, I've moved on, but I can understand there's that kind of want to be represented. And I feel that including a transgender person could, I obviously I can't speak for that. And I obviously, I mean, we have to lay down the, the warning, you know, like none of us truly know how anyone like this might feel. We're kind of basing on assumptions and, and trying to sympathize, but including that i like i i'm not going to say like oh someone would find this offensive or might not but i imagine that someone would like being represented in a mainstream comic book but to have it a side character and such a passing comment yeah and it's not like it's a hero who's been created or a hero who's been like after all this time has just been like oh yeah all this time i've been transgender it's it's like I live with this person. I've been in like half the issues of this series. I live with this character. Oh, I'm transgender. It's like, oh, okay. And I mean, like, even Batgirl doesn't care. And maybe that's like a thing that it shouldn't matter and it should be like, okay, and just accept it. Like, I don't think anyone's going to get angry about it, but it's, it was such a passing comment that it, it's, it, I'm not sure if it feels unjustified. It, the thing is, it shouldn't be a big deal and it also shouldn't therefore you shouldn't feel the need to play it up. And this could be me being very naive. Like my take on female writers is if, if you're a good writer, then you're a good writer and you'll be hired and you'll be able to write comics. That might not be the way it works. I might be being very naive and it might be, Oh, you know, you're a female writer. There's a stigma against you. Sorry, we can't give you a job. Or we're going to give it to a guy. It might just be me, you know, being naive that I'm saying, Oh, well, if there were, you know, more, female writers who wanted to be writers of at DC then they would be hired so it might be me like that and just saying you know it shouldn't be a big deal just like there shouldn't be a need for token characters because it, it shouldn't be such a, a it shouldn't be like oh look we've got a black Batman Batwing it, it should be more like oh this is a character this is Batwing he just happens to be black yeah, I, I mean, I, no, I, I completely agree. No, it's, it's not you being naive at all, Joe. You know, people should be hired on the basis of whether they can do the job, regardless of race, colour, skin. You know, in a perfect world, gay people wouldn't even have to come out. They'd just, you know, turn up with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, and everything would carry on as normal. I mean, you don't come out that you're straight, do you? You don't sit your parents down and go, Mum, Dad, I like women. Um, and I know this is a big, a bit of a shock, but... You know, and, and that would be, you know, that in an ideal world, it, it would move on. And I, actually, I kind of being slightly you know, descending. I actually think this was quite a good way of doing it. Now, obviously, you know, like you guys, I can't really talk from any kind of experience. But the fact that it was sort of done in an offhand manner it, i mean granted the situation was wrong because barbara gordon had just basically told her that she was batgirl and it was so far out of left field it was ridiculous but the fact that it was just a passing comment and it was just you know a moment of them 
sort of guy say you know sharing something and and barbara's reaction as well i thought was was brilliant which was just i don't really care which is uh, one of my friends came out as gay and that was literally what i texted him and just went i don't care and uh, you know and i think that that was a good way of doing it and i think in the current climate as well it's a very brave thing to do because over here in Britain, you know, the whole thing about gay marriage is, is going on. And I know in America, it's what oh, it's really kicking off there. So I think it's a brave thing to do. But, you know, I would have liked them to have done it maybe not just after Barbara Gordon had announced that she was Batgirl to her roommate. And at, at the she same time... About that, but... Yeah, pretty, pretty... Well, I mean, pretty much. But, you know... Uh, and and not done it maybe in an off or done it in an offhand manner, but further on down the line when we'd got a bit more involved in the character, you know, and 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 when they do change the characters up, say you know Batwing or something like that, I don't even maybe even bother to announce it, Frank. You know, I think actually probably, and you know, if someone wants to disagree with me, send emails in. But you know, don't even bother announcing it. Just have it happen. Have a black Batman. Or have a uh, you know a gay Green Lantern? Don't even make a song and dance about it. Just go, oh, he's gay. Well, the thing I I, I do want to say that the when the, it was announced that Batwing was going to be in the books, they never really made a point to say he was going to be black. So that's a little off. the The thing was, it was the the odd part about it was the fact that they had to have that character linked to Africa in order to be. And, see, it's hard to say because I don't know if the intent was, oh, we want a, bl- a black Batman, let's put him in Africa because it'll make sense with what's going on in Batman Incorporated. Or if they said, let's have a Batman of Africa and he'll be black because he's in Africa. I don't I don't really know the, the situation when they decided what to do with this book. But in my mind, they didn't really make a big deal about the fact that he was black. They did make a big deal that he was that he was from Africa over and over and over again. And going back to your comment before about <clears throat> well, your comment you just said about you know Green Lantern when oh uh, the Green Lantern from Earth Two he he they had announced that he was gay. And to to me, it just comes out again as we're trying to get publicity. We're trying to make sure that everyone knows that this is the case so that people who normally don't read these books will go pick up the books because of no other reason than we're telling them that this character's gay. And I think that's a stupid reason. It really doesn't do anything for the, for the actual community because it's basically like pl- you're, you're, you're playing the community for fools by saying, Oh, we're going to pl- blast out this press release. This character's gay. Come buy our books because we want more sales. I'd be wary of saying that, to be honest. I, I'm not sure. I'd like, like you said in the comic cast, I would like people from that community to, to email in. And I know you were saying, again, you were saying like, a, you know, if you want to stay anonymous, you, I mean, obviously you can, but like that in a way, again, is like, I know you, everyone was trying to cover their backs on that podcast. And here, I think when we're being uncensored, we can be a bit less like that. Obviously, you don't have to be anonymous because you shouldn't feel the need to, anonymize yourself but you know that's not a comment on you everyone is wary treading on eggshells with this because you don't want to say the wrong thing i obviously i hope i haven't offended anyone with what i've been saying i can only speak for myself so i I would love to get the the opinions of people from the lgbt community 
Yeah, we did mention that on one of the last the last comic podcast. And if you're listening to this, we'd love you to get back to us, and we will read those comments on the comic cast. Yeah, but I, I, but I know I, I do understand where you're coming from, Joe, and that there is sort of to an extent this sort of you have to publicize it to normalize it. But I still think that, and and I still, you know, I think that the best, you know, way to handle it is to not make a song and dance about it. If you're making a song and dance and pointing it out and going, oh, look over there, look at it, look at it, look at it, it makes it seem extraordinary. Yeah, it does. It it does cheapen it, which is why I obviously, I don't know whether the comment will stay in, but... When my friend texted me and said, oh, I'm, I'm gay, and I replied, I don't care, it's not because I'm being insensitive, although I, I, I don't. It's because he's, you know, he's my friend. I, I really don't care. He'll, he'll be my friend whether he was blue and basically ate people to have, have children. He'd still be my friend, you know. And that's, and that's the way that it should be. It shouldn't be that, that you have to make a song and dance about it. It should be that... You know that it's it's a per you know this is a person and who why does their sexuality or hair color or if they wear glasses or you know what they put into what orifice matters you know <laughs> that's what my thinking is and now you know like you say maybe I'm wrong and and again email in and put me in my place if you, if you disagree but that's how I think they that they should react is just have it happen look at batwoman batwoman doesn't come out or they didn't jump out and go in the comic anyway you know they've not done this whole thing of kind of going oh she's a lesbian well admittedly i think that's because it was already established before the new 52 yeah that's true but the the relationship in there is not gratuitous and they don't play up the fact that she's a, a lesbian in there i don't think i think it's handled subtly and and, and maturely and i think like this kind of goes back to like you were saying in an ideal world it wouldn't matter and you wouldn't need to address it but i, th- I and it would be character based it would be this is the person this is what makes them the person not this is an aspect of the person let's build something around let's build something around the fact that someone is gay or or you know a different gender a different gender or a different sexuality or a different race yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, with, sorry, go. I, I think with Gail Summer, I think this is probably could be one of the reasons why she has such a fan base. I appreciate the, I guess, bravery of putting this sort of content into comics, and it shouldn't, like I said, it shouldn't be a big deal. But the fact that it is, and the fact that she's doing it, I do think is a good thing. And it's just, it's her writing that I have a problem with. It's nothing against her. It's nothing against what she puts in her comics. I just don't think. I don't believe she's a particularly good writer. I prefer to read someone else. If someone else is doing the same thing, I'd be more than happy to read it. I just don't feel that what she's writing is of a good standard. Same as I read recently, it was a Vertigo one-shot called Time Warp. It was like an anthology title. And she wrote a short story in there. And it was all about... It was quite. It was an interesting story. It was quite about a candy shop guy who made these elaborate sweets that made you relive a, a memory in your life. And I won't spoil it, but it, it ended with a bit where two men, a man with a child, who I believe his wife had died, and another man, 
they were in the shop and they left the shop falling in love together, which is, I found a bit bizarre. And I found that more than anything, like sort of ham fisted. I'm not sure if that's the word I'm looking for, but that was. Yeah, that's probably not the best way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> given the topic you're talking about. Uh, it, that was, I, I'm trying to find the right word, but that was, it was like, oh, and then they fell in love. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Forced. It was yeah, forced. That is exactly. It was forced. It it felt so out of place. It it didn't fit into the context of the story, and it was just oh look. Yeah. Well, but that but that again. I mean, bringing it back to Batwoman. But that's why Batwoman works because it's just a relationship. Kathy's relationship is just a normal. Is portrayed as a normal relationship that's developed between two characters who've who've fallen in love, and you know. <laughs> We haven't seen. I mean, if you if you were going to go for for stupid over gratuitous stereotypes, two lesbians is is perfect because we could go basically down a whole porn route where it's all sort of scantily clad girls throwing water at each other. Well, if you want that, check out Secret Six pre New Fifty Two. That's true. Um, you know, but but they haven't, and that's the, I think the the best way to do it. And I don't think it should be portrayed as sort of having to make this big announcement or or song and dance about it. But the, other, I, the other thing the other thing to think about though is going just piggybacking off your comments about Batwoman, the the other thing is so when Batwoman came out there wasn't any kind of news whatsoever about Batwoman got engaged to Maggie Sawyer. There wasn't anything. There was no news, there was no blog post by DC they just kind of just let it be what it was. And people still talked about it, but it, it was not this news thing that they needed to do with, like they have done. I mean, and that's not to say they did this with background number 19, but it's just, they have done this multiple times. Yeah, there was the spoiler of that thing, you know, this just happened. Whereas I was amazed that I managed to read Batwoman before, you know, it, there was no nothing online about it. And, you would have thought the way that DC's been handling a lot of these books and things like that, that that would have been front page news, like, look what we're doing, aren't we out there? And I appreciate that it wasn't. It's just bizarre in in a world where so many other things are, are played up on and, you know, they cash in on these things. It was bizarre that they didn't for this one. I appreciate that they didn't. I just, I'm now curious why. But uh, I think that's to do with the editor, though, isn't it? I, I think, again... <laughs> You know, you for for a bad comic, I don't think you can just blame a writer. And for a good comic, I don't think you can just credit a writer. It's all to do with the the editor as well. And I can't remember off the top of my head who the editor for Batwoman is, but I think he might have kept or she might have kept it from DC and just had it sort of happen, which is how really it, it should be. But looking at the rest of Batgirl number 19, this is a pretty evident reason of why there's so many problems with this series. We go from the characterization of James Gordon Jr. as this emotionless character who has, who feels nothing and takes pills in detective comics because he feels nothing. He stops taking his pills just so that he can, you know, become the psychopath that he's bound to be. But in Batgirl, he somehow figures out a way to make a girl like him without showing any emotion whatsoever. And I'm talking about his relationship with Alicia earlier in the series. 
he, just so that he could play mind tricks with Barbara. And then in this book, he's cracking jokes to his mom. He's making snide remarks about how perfect Barbara was, which means he feels jealousy. And it completely goes against everything that we saw with the original origin of the character. So let's talk about the, just the characterization of, of, well, we could talk about James or we could talk about other characters too that are in 19, but there's a lot of problems with the characters from, you know, outside of what Gail Simone, Gail Simone's doing in this book to what is in every other book. I think James has always been written different to how he was in Snyder's detective run. And it's a shame because he's written well in there. You almost don't need to see him again, but I think he was a, a popular character and definitely a good character. So it sounds that they'd want to bring him back. It's a bit of a shame that they've, I feel that they've done it wrong, but the most egregious thing is like you were saying, he's supposed to have no emotion. He's supposed to be this guy who does these things just to, I don't know. It, it was an interesting character and he's been written wrong and I'm not sure why. I mean, he's been written wrong ever since the new 52. So if that's like, if that's his new interpretation, then I guess he's not been written as wrong, but it was such a good character before that. It's disappointing to read that. I don't understand why he's making the jokes, why he's, doing the things he's doing when he's supposed to have no emotion. Yeah, well, I think this is sounds to them like, once again, fucking up continuity, doesn't it? It's, uh, I think I think the only reason that they, they've done it is they, they've got the basic premise down, which is James Gordon Jr. is, is sort of a psychopath and, and quite dark, and he's the black sheep of the family. But beyond that, they've got absolutely nothing else write about the character and you know I, I mean I can only blame that on them not reading or paying attention to the continuity that they're they claim that they're following and that they say that it, it, you know they say it's all still in continuity but they don't seem to pay any attention to it and make sure that they can marry up the characters convincingly and if you can't do it with a character that's Ben, I think Black Mirror is pretty much his only major appearance. What hope have they got for anybody, any of the other characters? I'm done. I was just a bit worried because there was silence after that. And I thought, oh. Yeah, I was trying to think of something to say. <laughs> yeah, I was too. The thing is, besides James Gordon Jr., the, the other characters, we see Barbara Gordon basically pouring herself out to Alicia, which, you know, it's understandable. She wants to come back home. I, I'm okay with that. The fact that she told her mother who she was, that she's Batgirl, doesn't make any sense to me. She has no relationship with her mother, as depicted in this series. Mother has been trying to build a relationship, but somehow Barbara just feels compelled to tell her, hey, I'm Batgirl. Um, meanwhile, her father, who she's had a relationship with forever, she doesn't tell. So that doesn't make it, yeah, it's completely, it doesn't even happen in the book. She just, oh, well, she already told me, ha, ha, ha. And it's like, ah, 
And then at the end, the fact that Gordon is attempting to arrest Batgirl after he arrives because she killed his son doesn't make any sense either because Gordon knows that his son is a killer, has killed multiple people, and knows that Batgirl doesn't kill people just for the fun of it. So, I mean, there was so many problems with this issue. I already talked about a lot of them, so let's you guys talk about them. Admittedly, I wasn't reading this with my... Okay, I'm going to review this head-on, because I, I knew I wouldn't be able to make it to the comic podcast. So I didn't have as many problems with it as you guys seemingly did on the podcast. I definitely understand your frustrations with why it happened off-panel, but I think the reason that she might have told her mother is to get a closer relationship with her. Why she didn't then tell her father, I have no idea. But like Stella's been saying... It's not so much about why would Barbara want a better relationship with her mother? Her mother left. It, like Her mother attempted to try to mend things over by making her muffins on one issue. Why would Barbara want to... F- I mean, like, it's one thing if you want to forgive somebody for, you know, leaving when you were a child, you know, packing their bags and hitting the road for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what the reason. It's one thing to forgive that person. To reveal your biggest secret to the person that you have been mad and unforgiving towards for the last probably 10 years seems completely far-fetched. I guess it would have to tie into the fact that her and her mother were setting a trap for James. She would have to say, all right, mom, I'm that girl. I'm going to be there in the shadows waiting for you. When he tries to attack you or whatever, I'll be there to you know, jump down and defend you. Yeah, I suppose. I just don't like it one way or the other. To be fair, though, it's not like they don't... <laughs> when you look at this series, everybody seems to be spilling their innermost secrets after meeting someone for one issue or <laughs> coming back. You know, all of a sudden, we're basically telling everybody everything. So, yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me why she'd tell her mother. I'm I'm with Dustin on this one. You know, whilst, you know, if someone made me muffins, I'd probably forgive them a little bit. It's not enough for me to spill my innermost secrets to them. And why, you know, why tell her? If she's not going to tell her dad, why tell her, her mother as well? And, and that just puts her in danger, which presumably is going to be the next storyline. Of the big next big storyline that we'll get is oh well, now somebody knows, captures her and tries to get secrets or something like that, and it'll be tedious and dull. It uh, you know I, I'm with you guys. It doesn't make any sense. I do understand Jim's reaction because if you you know no matter how bad he was, if you you know seeing his son die would play a you know a huge emotional impact on him. But like you were saying in the comic podcast. He saw everything happen. He saw him try and shoot his shoot his wife or ex-wife, and you know it, it's a shame that he doesn't know what Barbara is because then it would make the story so much simpler. But it, it depends, you know, if, if this is going to lead to that reveal or what's going on. I can understand why. Yeah, he'd feel like re- reaction and be like, "Okay, you just murdered my son. I want to take you in." But the relationship is shown to have with Batman in so many of their other comics. It, it's bizarre that he takes such offense to it. You know, at least, you know, at the very least, I don't think he'd shoot, and, but you'd expect, you know, Bob to stay there and say, like, okay, here's what's going on, which again is out of character, but, you know, it, it's 
I did like your play by play of that scene just with James Gordon Jr. like cracking his back against the rotten wood and how unlikely it is that he is actually dead after that. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I was going to say also, you know, Jim's been around for a long time in the DC universe. Surely he knows nobody ever stays dead anyway. He'll come back. The fact that his body's never. All right, I think that's pretty much all we've got as far as our complaints. I do want to try to end this on a simple little segment of how to make it better. So without a lengthy explanation, I would like us all to give at least two ways to make Batgirl in the New 52, since that's our topic, better for the future. Fire Gauss Moan. I had to get in. Um <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's not my point. I just thought I'd shout it before someone else did. I think one of the main things that needs to happen is an explanation at least of why she's what mindset she's in. I, I'd like to have a really this we're getting these constant narrations throughout of you know, what she's feeling at the time, but there's never anything that's been you know, you know, I'm Barbara Gordon, I'm Batgirl because this is, I do what I do because, like, this is, you know, I'm doing this because this is a relationship I have with her, my father. I think that she needs to be fleshed out as a character as Barbara Gordon before we see her more as Batgirl. I think she needs to be with her father more to build up that relationship, see her interact more with the Bat family, and just, <laughs> yeah, fire girl Simone. I think two things. First of all, explain how Barbara Gordon can walk and explain what, for her at least, if not everybody else, is actually in continuity so we can get an understanding of where the character is at, what's going on, and why it's happening. And link to that, you know, sit down and just work out what they want to do with the character what the character is like, and just sort of define her. Because at the moment, I think the main problem is is that Gail Simone and all the other writers don't really know how to write Barbara Gordon and what they want to do with her properly. And I think that's really what's dragging the, the comic down at the moment. I think it will pick up if they settle on a character and a characterization for her. I won't say that they have to fire Gail Simone, but they need to just, they need to get a better writer on this book. If that means Gail Simone starts writing better herself, okay, I'm fine with that. I don't really care who's on the book. I just want the stories to be better. I need the character, I need the stories to make sense from issue to issue, not we're going to go back on something that the that I as the writer wrote just a couple months ago how just a couple months ago I was upset with my mother but now suddenly I told her exactly what my biggest secret is so they need to they need to flesh that out the other thing that they need to do is they really need to get the characterization of this character like John said so that other writers can write her and it's cohesive and not she's just this angsty girl who makes stupid comments from you know, the shadows. It's, it's, it, to me, nobody knows what to do with this character. She appears, she's appeared in Teen Titans, Nightwing, Batgirl, Batman and Robin, and Batgirl, uh, and Batman 
And every single one of those appearances, if you read through them, it's almost like it's a completely different character every single time. I think the time where she appeared in Batman was probably the least least off base as far as the character because it was it was it was she really didn't do a whole lot she she just did what she would normally do it she worked with the other team members and this that and the other so they need to do that and then the the last thing i would say is they need to like just get past setting up the history of the character and just work towards the future because they consistently over and over again reference the past leading us to want to know what happened in the past, but they're not telling us. So either they tell us or they don't. They need to stop talking about it. Spending as much time as they have about, oh, well, I was able to walk, or I was I was able to walk, then I got shot, then I, I got healed, and now I'm back. Though. Then four issues goes by, we introduce a new villain that happens to have a henchman that reminds her of the entire situation where she got shot again, again, there's there's too much time that's being spent on this to get no payoff. So either give us the payoff that you've been building since the beginning, or stop mentioning it every other issue because it's it's just annoying. So that's that's everything we've got for this topic. I assume we will most likely be able to find the topic probably once a month. So be checking out the Batman Universe specials for future episodes. There's no set time of when we will record these. It's just really based off of current events that are happening. So be sure to check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, merchandise, TV, video games, general news, and the comics. Check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer and email us at podcast at net if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or a topic that you would like to discuss as well, we can always take those into consideration as well. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Jeff. And this is John. You've been listening to the Batman Universe specials, the TBU Aftercast. We'll see you guys next time. I really am this grumpy in real life as well. And so are they.